Greetings, Alpha Seekers, and welcome to take three of my uh, Alpha's Next podcast for this uh, day of our Lord, as we used to say, uh, which is August 12th, 2020. And uh, I had a couple of uh, podcastus interruptus experiences today, and it's interesting because, you know, uh, it's like a snowflake. I should call this the snowflake. Every time I do it, it's different. You know? So it's amazing how many different approaches you can take to the same day. I can be upbeat. I can be downbeat. I can be uh, middle of the road. You know. Interesting. So anyway, um, this time I actually... I kept getting interrupted uh, when I did take two. I actually dictated it into, uh, but if you have Word, Microsoft Word, by the way, uh, Word has a very good dictation capability now. And for years, uh, you know, you had all these things that were supposed to enable you to convert your speech into text, and they all stunk. But this one uh, is pretty good. So uh, you got that going for you. So I actually dictated this, and now I'm reading it. So I have sort of a script, which is, you know, one small step forward. Um, so it was big news uh, day for the, uh, for the vaccine companies. Uh, Regeneron... Uh, has a monoclonal antibody solution, which can be used for prevention and treatment. And apparently, Lily's got a late stage trial going on that same sort of uh, mechanism of action. Re- Regeneron is symbol R E G N, and they took a hit yesterday. Uh, and I think they in the aftermarkets, I think, and then. They also clo- opened up down today. But from the sources that I listen to on CNBC, and remember, uh, one of the things we do is watch CNBC so you don't have to. Um, that's a pretty good day on the trial. So I think that uh, this is one where it's in the hun- mid-hundreds, I think. So if you're going to play it or we're going to play it, uh, you probably play that one with options. And then I saw another one that was a new one to me, and I'm not sure I captured the details of the sim- symbol, but uh, this is a uh, nasal, intrano- intranasal uh, vaccine, which is good because... Uh, it's a room temperature vaccine and uh, Altimmune, that's what it is. But the president was on, smart guy, looked him up, good background, has a you know, serial uh, exits by getting bought by Big Pharma or Big uh, Med Tech. And uh, I think it was down pretty substantially uh, the day they were talking to him. But uh, it's funded by the same government entity that funded Moderna, which is a very good endorsement. Uh, 
So uh, the theory uh, that this company has is that the virus initially colonizes in the nasal cavities. So if you have an inhalable single-dose vaccine, it can more or less fortify the beachhead. You know, it's kind of like D-Day. Only this time the defense will hopefully win. Uh, And it's also very stable at room temperature, so it's something where you can actually send it out to people and they could self-administer rather than an intramuscular injection. And it doesn't require the adjuvant or booster. So... You know, that's uh, promising, and I think that's something that I would like to have in my portfolio of vaccine plays. The other thing, the other reason it's a big virus day is they came out with pricing from the U.S. federal government for Moderna. Moderna did the deal. And I think they got like 17 bucks a dose, but when you factor in what they got from the government, that gets it up to about 25 in terms of the, the grants and such, which you have to factor in. So the range of pricing for the vaccine is something like $4 to $20 a dose. And, of course, you've got uh, two, of, two, two doses for a lot of these per year, but then you also have an annual recurring revenue stream because you probably have to get it every year. Uh, this has been categorized as a pretty static, stable virus that doesn't mutate a lot. So it may be that it's not like the usual cold and flu thing. But uh, Moderna was talking about getting up to $33 a dose. But what you've got here is you know a couple of hundred customers and about 100 companies with four or five of them leading the pack. But uh, you may get more than you may get a multi uh, drug talk drug cocktail type of thing multi uh, therapeutic strategy so you could have the nasal and the intramuscular and maybe two intramusculars who knows uh, belt and suspenders uh, type of an approach and uh, so the 33 dollars a dose that moderna got was from a smaller country so it's not like you've got a literal worldwide monopsony, although that may come. At this point, it's country by country negotiating. And, and obviously, if you're in the United States, you got a lot of leverage, and you also put a lot of front money. So, uh, but if you're, you know, Liechtenstein, then you're going to pay through the nose, even if it's a nasal vaccine. So that's interesting pharmacoeconomic equation there. But uh, it's a leverage versus leverage type of thing. And uh, I don't know if the EU is going to function as a unit on this or just country by country. The other variation is that the AZ AstraZeneca is in conjunction. It's commercializing Oxford research, and Oxford I don't think is looking to make a big buck on this. So I'm sure they'll make something, but... They're a non-profit, theoretically, at least. And the cost of goods sold here, apparently, uh, particularly for the synthetic RNAs, is pretty low. You don't have to grow it in an egg like a lot of these viruses or a lot of these vaccines. So uh, the production methodology is more cost-effective than a typical uh, 
a typical vaccine. Plus, the technology may be applicable to other viruses. So, you know, the, the good news is, in the end, if we can come up with antivirals that are effective, if we can come up with vaccines that are effective against viruses, you know, it might be the cure for the common cold and the flu. And every year, like, the flu kills 12,000 people in a good year in the United States. So, uh, you know, net-net over the long haul, maybe maybe this virus ends up being the spark that lights an antiviral war that uh, sets back the viral cause by a few hundred million years, you know, if, if we're fortunate. So, uh, so that's good. Now, uh, what else is going on? On the political front, uh, the Joe Biden scenario with uh, Kamala, Kamala, I'm not sure. I used to at least be able to pronounce the candidates' names, but you know, and eventually I learned how to pronounce Barack Obama, so that was actually pretty easy. But I haven't mastered Harris's first name yet. So she's actually perceived as sort of a safe middle of the road choice. Uh, I think that. Uh, you're going to run into... It, it affords Trump something of an attack profile. Because, number one, you know, she was Joe Biden's harshest critic, and I'm sure they'll run that over and over again to demonstrate her hypocrisy. Uh, and also, you know, some of the things she said about Joe probably resonate. So you could do a voter suppression campaign targeted at the African-American vote, even though she is African-American, you know, you could have her bad mouth in her own candidate. Um, the second thing is she's a former prosecutor, and I've said for a long time that the Democrats should not nominate former prosecutors because there's always going to be some case where some black man with a capital B went to jail and was innocent, and they'll be able to run you know, negative ads on that. I'm sure they've already done the research. So those are her vulnerabilities. Um, I think he would have been better off with a... Obviously, he was locked into an African-American woman, but I think if he went with somebody who didn't have that prosecutorial background and hadn't run against him in the primary, he would have been better off. She doesn't bring any uh, state gains with her because California is already a foregone conclusion. So, uh, you know... It was pretty much the conventional choice. But uh, if the Democrats sweep, which, you know, the, the gap is only about eight points between Biden and Trump, which is amazing, considering. But uh, I think this whole civil unrest thing has played badly for Biden. I mean, people are scared. You know, in Chicago, people are scared. And people are... Uh, getting ready. For, it's going to be another white flight scenario from the virus and the the riots. You know, I mean, the looting. I mean, the people in Streeterville don't like it when Louis Vuitton gets hit, and it would appear the police can't do a thing about it. I saw a couple of aldermen today calling for National Guard. <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, they would have lain their bodies across the road in front of the tanks like Tiananmen Square, and now they're begging for feds. 
So um, if if Lightfoot has lost control of the city, then uh, things are looking very bad. And if she tries to crack down, she's going to get it from the BLM side of the equation. So I'd hate to be in her position. It's a lose-lose. So, um, but anyway, the race is tightening. And I think you've got people in New York starting to worry about this. Uh, you've got people in Chicago. Um, you know, even people in L.A. starting to be, hey, wait a minute. Maybe this defunding the police isn't such a good idea. But if they do sweep, then you're looking at a 10% market correction, according to the pundits on CNBC. And that's based on higher rates. Now, everybody with a green eye shade and an LLC knows that nobody is going to pay those higher rates. If you look at tax, the tax rate uh, over time, based on whether the rate, marginal rates are 70% or 30%, the bottom line is you still get about 19% of GDP uh, as federal tax revenue because that's all people will pay. People will pay accountants and lawyers who are way smarter than the tax people to avoid the taxes. And the higher the rates are, the more sense it makes to do all sorts of tax dodges and tax shelters and offshore deals. The lower the rates are, the less return there is on that kind of an expenditure. So they're not going to get what they think they're going to get from the rates, but it'll still have a negative impact on the market because he wants to jack capital gains up, and that's very bad for equities. Now, the offset, and maybe the reason it's only a 10% hit, is the theory is that when the Democrats get back, you know, the adults in the room, which is how they're perceived now by the street, which is sort of sad for the GOP, um, the thought is that the, the trade wars will uh, calm down that there'll be a reset with China. I don't know that that's true, but that's that's the thoughts. And uh, the market was also relieved that he didn't pick Elizabeth Warren, and I knew he wouldn't, because if he picked a white person, I mean, forget about it, you know. He had no choice. So, uh, but she could very well get Treasury or even be the next chairman of the Federal Reserve. So, you know... That's very bearish, obviously. This is a person who hates Wall Street. So um, I don't think that the street really understands how bad it could get, but I do think that, you know, if, if you talk to progressives, they're not going to be happy about either Biden or Harris because they're perceived to be middle-of-the-road uh, people who can be bought. And, you know... If you're a capitalist, then you kind of like that, you know, because they'll listen to business because they, you know, money talks to them. Um, the next generation of Democrats will raise their money from the grassroots, and they will not listen when money talks. And that's when things get really, really interesting. Um, so, what else do we have for you today? Let's see. Kind of produced this on the fly, guys. So, uh, let's see how far into this we are. 
Well, I think I'll just talk about a couple of other things, and then the rest will save for tomorrow. Uh, I used to work for a guy named Grover Youngbluth. You talk about weird names. First time I heard his name, I was like, what's his name? But it was J-U-N-G-B-L-U-T-H, and that's Youngblood in, in German. And he was a young 71 when I went to work for him. And uh, he lived to be 93. So, you know, Grover was uh, in the fan club, small fan club, but uh, he was very good to me. And he had some of these old sayings. Uh, one was, all I know is what I read. And I never really... Uh, I never really realized that was a takeoff on the old Will Rogers line. All I really, all I know is what I read in the newspapers. And uh, today that would be a very poor, ignorant place to be. But uh, then he had another line, which was is from a poem, and it's uh, "Time makes ancient good uncouth." And the first time he said that to me, it was kind of like when I was trying to figure out how to spell his name. I was like, what? But it, it's from, a, a, a like, I think a 19th century poem. Don't ask me who wrote it or anything else or the name of it. But what it means is that, uh, you know, what was once hot is now not. What was in style is, is now uh, not in style. And those of us who've lived, you know, into the seventh decade here, everything is upside, it's the world turned upside down as the British played at, uh, at Yorktown, you know, it was like, everything that was right when I was a kid is now considered wrong. Everything that was wrong is now considered right. You know, all the cops are criminals and all the sinners saints. And, um, that's true, I think, of the metals trade. The metals trade turned today. You know, gold and silver were going through the roof, and I talked about uh, the gold miners versus uh, GLD, which is the ETF. Um, Barrick Gold is a is a probably the pick of the litter there. Symbol G O L D, and it pays a dividend. You know, so the knock on gold has always been that it doesn't have any yield, but now it yields better than Treasuries. You know, because they do pay a dividend. They're committed to the dividend. But the commodities are, you know, the reason I brought up the time makes ancient good uncouth is it used to be that if you printed the kind of money that the Fed is printing, you are obviously going to have inflation because, as Milton Friedman said, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. But... Those rules don't apply anymore, as far as I can see, because uh, it's a global economy. You know, the world is able to absorb an infinite, seemingly unlimited amount of debt, and the Fed can keep interest rates as low as it wants. So, you know, you've got a 10-year return of, you know, it can be under half a percent, which is, you know, nothing. And you've even had negative interest rates in some countries which most people can't get their heads around. But uh, a lot of a lot of uh, banks and such are required by laws of their own country to basically invest in AAA securities and there's no, or debt, and there's nothing that's AAA except uh, government debt. So they kind of stack the game. 
You know, so if if you have to pay them to lend them money, and Trump even sees on this, he's like, if they have to pay us to lend us money, let's borrow as much as we can, you know? Um, there's something wrong with that picture, uh, but I'll save that for another podcast. But anyway, gold and silver turned today, and I think that, uh, you know, intrinsic value of gold or silver is, is purely based on demand for jewelry, uh, demand from people who are afraid that, you know, all the money's going to turn into uh, wallpaper. And, uh, you know, there is some industrial value for gold and silver. But uh, other than that, they're just hunks of, hunks of metal. And uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a gold bug at all. But that doesn't mean you can't make money on the trade. But I think today was the turning of the tide. And some of the charters, uh, Carter the Charter, Carter Worth on CNBC was talking about it. The chart didn't look good. It's a pure emotional trade. I mean, lots of trades in the market are, but that's purely emotional because there's really very little, if any, intrinsic value in the metals. But if you're going to play it, uh, I would probably play the miners, but frankly, I would stay away from it. Uh, and here's the thing. An observation I heard about Facebook, and it really applies to everybody who publishes. Uh, the game is a timeshare, mindshare, market share uh, game. In other words, you've got a certain amount of attention that you have to pay. You've got a certain amount of time that you're awake, and your eyeballs are looking at something. And Facebook wants it to be Facebook. And Every publish, everybody's a publisher in the in the digital age. You know, everybody can get a Twitter account, a LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. So within Facebook, you've got two billion people who are competing for each other's attention uh, across the social media, in your email box, on your television. You know, everybody's competing for your attention. You literally do pay attention, and attention pays. So uh, this is more or less, I mean, when you evaluate the businesses, obviously the person who's got the stickiest uh, algorithm and content wins. And that's why Facebook, in spite of all the assaults on it for its, you know, political sins and its, uh, you know, uh, political incorrectness and being a forum for people who hate, stock still goes up because all of that, keeps the eyeballs on Facebook. I mean, Facebook more or less thrives on controversy. And uh, that's why I wouldn't bet against it. It's an incredibly effective marketing and advertising medium, which I need to take advantage of more. I'm not really a pro on that, even though I purport to be a marketing guy. Uh, and this does bear, uh, especially for, it's for, especially germane for people who are in the marketing business, it's harder and harder to capture people's attention. It used to be that you would have a magazine ad and you would have a trade show and you would have direct mail. And that was pretty much, and you could have guys pick up the phone and do personal sales. And that was pretty much it. Well, now, you know, you've got digital and digital embraces so many different things. And each one is an algorithm and blah, blah, blah. Very complex. And, uh, it's very easy to become outdated in, in this kind of an environment. Uh, so, I mean, on one hand, you've got more tools, 
it's like you used to just have a driver and a putter and now you got 14 clubs but on the other hand you know you need to know how to use them all if the golf analogy makes any sense to you guys who golf so uh much more complex environment than it used to be much more challenging uh, but on the other hand, it's democratized things. You know, you can, you can be it. That's why so many startups are out there because they can basically, you know, do low budget guerrilla marketing and go viral if they're good, if they're creative, if they understand their market and, uh, you know, from a seed grow into a mighty sequoia. So it's democratizing and liberating, but, uh, per- Paradoxically, it also creates a winner-take-all environment, which is just like the old days. You know, like a Facebook or Google or Apple, it's kind of winner-take-all. So, um, interesting times that we live in. But uh, you just have to realize what's going on. And as an investor seeking alpha, you know, I I don't consider Facebook or Google or and Microsoft even to be, quote, alpha stocks, unquote. But uh, I do consider them to be good, solid. I saw a brief quote today that the NASDAQ's the new S&P 500, you know, because there's no longer digital itself isn't even really a category anymore. Everything's digital. So these are the, this is the U.S. Steel and the General Motors of the digital economy. You know, we used to make stuff. Now we uh, code stuff. So that's the new economy. So if you've got kids, tell them to learn to code. That's my advice. So anyway, um, that's about all. I'm going to save some of this uh, material for tomorrow because we've already killed a half an hour of your life. So hopefully you're better off now than you were when you started. And as I always close... uh, Live long, prosper, and stay safe. Wear your masks. If you need a mask, I'll send you a mask. That's our free offer. Uh, just send me a text, 708-334-8414, and uh, that's your bonus. If you hung in here all the way, I'll know, because who wouldn't want a mask? It's an N95 or a KN95. That's up to me. But if you have a preference, let me know. And, because uh, I don't know the difference. But I do have a supply, and I have a source to get more. So uh, that's our little promotion that we run here. And that rewards people for listening through the bitter end. So uh, when you text me, text me your name and address, including your zip code. And I will add you to our mailing list, and you will get your your free mask. And that way I have to, I don't have that many listeners, so I have to keep them alive, you know. You can't listen if you're dead. And we're all one breath from death these days, folks. So, uh, with that, on that happy note, I will end and uh, talk at you soon. I don't do this every day now. Um, if If you want me to, text me and tell me, Terry, I need it every day. I don't anticipate anybody will do that, so I'll probably just do it. You know, when the spirit moves. And as I say, we're going to do a rebranding, so watch for that. Uh, So with that, I'll sign off.